Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, thank you that you are God. He, he speaks. Thank you that as you speak, you open our eyes to who you are and reveal yourself in Jesus Christ. We pray, Holy Spirit, this, this, this morning even, and that you would be showing us wonderful things and that you would be equipping us and helping us to, to live with all that we need as your people, as we wait for the day when, when Jesus returns. So would we experience you uh, prompting us, challenging us, encouraging us, comforting us this morning? For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you, uh, if you were given the challenge uh, this morning of summing up how the Bible ends, how would you go about it? What would be your summary of the ending of the Bible? Uh, maybe... Maybe you go Revelation 21 and that kind of breathtaking moment as life as it's meant to be with the living God is, is put on, on show. And that, that incredible image of God wiping away every tear because there's no more death, no more mourning, no more pain, no more, uh, uh, yeah, no more crying, no more pain. Perhaps you would go a little bit further into Revelation uh, chapter 22. You get to the, the stunning scenery of God's new creation. And the, the highlight being seeing Jesus face to face, like we sang uh, just a moment ago. Uh, when we will rise among the saints, my gaze transfixed on Jesus' face. I mean, if I jump up and down about the hub, I've got to jump up about that. But it's not quite how the Bible ends. If you ever read those chapters in, in Revelation, uh, you'll notice there's a little bit more after that. You've got the breathtaking moment of Revelation 22. You've got the staggering scenery, Revelation 22. And then we land back with a bump into kind of normal life with John, who's writing uh, this book, uh, writing this vision down. And he's in Patmos. He's on a Greek island, but not the kind of Greek island when we go for holiday. He's, he's there because he's kind of been banished. He's suffered for the gospel. He's seeing out at the end of his days, seen and actually the very end of the bible lands three times john is told and we get to hear the risen jesus the ascended jesus saying i am coming soon how do we sum up the ending of the bible i think it's quite a good one jesus says to us i am coming soon john replies amen come lord jesus when was the last time you prayed that? When was the last time you prayed something along those lines? Perhaps uh, you've uh, been praying it loads recently because uh, for you life is really tough. And life has carried on being tough. And it feels like what's going on is, is eating up your ability to keep going for Jesus. Or perhaps thinking about and praying about Jesus' return actually was not really a feature of your life because if you're honest, life just feels really ordinary. And the ordinariness of life potentially is evaporating up. You're kind of going after Jesus. Or perhaps you're somebody who's been praying for Jesus' return by stealth without necessarily realizing it. Every time you join in with the Lord's Prayer and you pray that line, your kingdom come. Well, this morning we're landing back into Luke's journey through Jesus' life. 
we've not been here, I think, since November. Uh, so it's been, been a little while. Uh, and yeah, well, we're going to see the question that Jesus puts to his disciples at the end uh, of the reading Claire just read for us, chapter 18, verse 8. Well, it's not just a question for the disciples then, it's a question before each one of us here this morning. When the Son of Man comes, when Jesus returns, will he find faith on the earth? When Jesus returns, will he find us praying for his return, longing for his, his return, enduring for him, or is he going to find us with our faith having been eaten up or evaporated up? And actually, these are exact risks that Jesus has talked about just before our passage at the end of chapter 17, but because November was a while ago, we've probably forgotten. Verse 22 of chapter 17, uh, Jesus talks to his disciples and he describes times that are going to get so tough, so difficult, that he says they would long to see one of the days of the Son of Man, but you will not see it. And in the verses that follow, Jesus talks about the day he returns being like the days of Noah or the days of Lot. Just before something big and dramatic happens, uh, we're told ordinary life is taking place. Eating, drinking, marrying, being given in marriage, uh, buying, selling, planting, building. Then, chapter 18, verse 1, then Jesus told his disciples a parable. Then Jesus tells this story of a judge who doesn't care and a widow who just won't give up. The judge is in the position of power, isn't it? The widow's powerless. The judge couldn't care less. The widow was relentless. As we read the story, we want the details. What was going on? What happened? Give us the details. Jesus doesn't. He gives us the detail that matters the most. Tells us what's important. The widow wants justice. She wants what's wrong to be made right. And in the end, the judge just wants to be left alone. Read what he says, verse 5. Because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. I've suddenly got this sort of image of this, uh, of this, this widow kind of coming up to slap the judge. I kind of get, is that quite the right image? Well, the, the idea is black eyes. But I'm not convinced that the fear is the widow coming to to punch the lights out of the judge. It's more, I don't know, when you get, you get black eyes, don't you, when you, you're really tired and drained. This judge gives justice because he gives in. He's worn out by the widow's relentless, persistent, enduring pursuit for justice. And the lesson for the disciples, the lessons uh, for followers of Jesus today, well, what is it that Jesus wants, wants our lives to look like as we wait for him to return, as we live in this gap between Jesus' first entrance into history and his certain return, what, what is it? Well, Jesus is really obvious with it, isn't he? Verse 1, they should always pray and not give up. And what do we hear? We hear this, pray more, pray better, pray longer, pull up your praying socks. That's what the story's about, isn't it? Surely. Because the, the widow finally gets her wrong made right because she doesn't give up and she wears the judge out. So if things aren't going well in your life, you need to pray more, pray better, pray longer, pull up your praying socks. We need more prayer meetings. You all need to be here on Wednesday night when we have a prayer gathering on Ash Wednesday. That's what we need to do, right? Keep bothering God. 
Somebody in the corner is disagreeing with me, and they're right. But we'll get to that. Jesus, in verse 6, says, listen to what the unjust judge says. What does the just, unjust judge, a tongue twister, isn't it? The unjust judge say. He says he gives justice because of the persistence of the widow. So surely with God we must do the same, right? I don't think the message of this parable is simply pray more, pray better, pray longer, pull up your praying socks. Because if you think about it, what happens if you do this and your tough times just get tougher? Isn't that just going to eat up your faith? What if you, you pray more and life just still feels really, really plain and ordinary? It's just going to evaporate your faith. So the question is, have we really heard what Jesus is saying in this parable? Have we really listened, as Jesus tells us, to what the unjust judge says? We need to go back to, the, to verse 4. We're told that the judge for some time, he, well, he refused the widow. But finally, he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because of this, this widow keeps bothering me, I'll see she gets justice and that she won't eventually come and attack me. That characteristic of the unjust judge is not caring what God thinks, not caring what other people think, is a repetition of something Jesus has already told us about this unjust judge in verse 2. If even an unjust judge gives justice in the end, how much more will God? You see, this parable is not putting the unjust judge and God together and going, look how similar they are. This parable is putting up an unjust judge and God and going, look how different they are. Even if this unjust judge eventually gave justice, how much more Will God, the God he's revealed in the Lord Jesus, give justice? Because if we walk away from this parable just thinking we need to pray more, pray better, pray longer, pull up your praying socks, then we think well, God's like an unjust judge who needs his arms twisting. But I don't think that's what Jesus wants from us. The always praying, the not giving up that Jesus talks about, was an outworking of the faith that he talks about in verse, five, in verse 8. If we let Jesus this morning show us what God is like, we'll find that prayer that doesn't fade, prayer that doesn't give up, becomes a feature in our lives as a result of recognizing two things about God. That God really is the God of verse 7. He really is the God who cares about the cries of his chosen people. And he's the God who will bring about ultimate justice. See, there are two things we need if, if, if our faith feels like it's being eaten up by tough times or evaporated up by ordinary times. There are the two things we need to take into this week so that we endure in faith. The first one, God cares about the cries of his chosen ones. Verse 7. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Here's the contrast between the unjust judge in Jesus' parable, and the God he's revealing. And, and the gap between them is compassion. The unjust judge heard the widow's cry for justice, and he heard it as bother and nuisance. God hears the cries of his people for what they really are. The cries of his children. The cries of those living in a world that's broken by sin. 
the cries of those who, who after seeking Jesus and following him, face a hostile world. Just look how the disciples are described. Verse 7, they're God's chosen ones. The unjust judge, the widow, well, she was a nobody. The only reason the widow registered on the unjust judge's radar was because she kept popping up in every corner of his life. You and I, this morning, if our faith is in Jesus, register on God's radar. You're created by God. You are loved by God. He sent Jesus to lay down his life for you. If you're a Christian this morning, you couldn't be any more on God's radar. Because through turning away from our sin, putting our faith in Jesus, we've been joined to, we belong to the one God eternally loves. It's astonishing. I caught in the news late last week um, a story coming out of the High Court in London of an 83-year-old widow. Oh, this could be useful. An 83-year-old widow who'd been left out of her late husband, uh, late husband's will. They'd been married 66 years, and she'd been left nothing. Four daughters left nothing. Two sons got everything, and went to court. And the court ruled in her favour. She should get 50%. And afterwards, the lawyer uh, for the widow said this, uh, said this uh, that what had happened would set a precedent that would allow the most vulnerable individuals to seek justice without having to endure the unpleasantries of a trial. This morning, if your faith is in Jesus, you are God's chosen people. You are loved in Christ and you can seek justice. You can pray for the world to be as it should be. You can cry out about the things that are not right without having to endure the unpleasantries of a trial. Not because we're innocent, but because Jesus has walked our path already. Because Jesus has had the unpleasantries of a trial, and he's taken on the verdict that we deserve on the cross. If life is tough for you at the moment, and it feels like your faith is being eaten away, if you're having to watch our services regularly on a live stream because actually getting in the house is just too difficult. Or maybe it's just been a rotten couple of weeks and you're not here because of illness. Then cry out to the God who cares about your cries. Cry out in the day, cry out in the night. Know that he is the God who cares so much that he came to step into your shoes, to deal with your sin, to give you a future, to give you real life right now. If for you, just life feels very ordinary and it just feels like your faith evaporates away, then hear that the God we worship is a God who, who cares. He cares about the cries of his chosen ones. Don't let ordinary life mean you, you miss what's going on in the lives of those in your church community here at St. Luke's. Don't let the ordinariness of life mean you're blinkered from what's going on in the wider world. And let the Holy Spirit cultivating you something of the compassion of God that we see in Jesus. That's what the judge should have had, but didn't. Unlike the just judge, God hears the cries of his chosen people. And second of all, God will bring ultimate justice. To read verse 7 again. Will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones, 
who cry out to him day and night, will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. When the widow in the high court last week won her case, her lawyer said that she felt privileged to be part of an injustice made right. And when we hear things like that on the news, uh, when a big wrong has been made right, when there's justice, we kind of go, yes, yes. Except when we do so, we know there's a nagging sort of sense in the back of our minds that we're going to hear a story like this again. This morning, just imagine with me a time, a time when no one will be trafficked across borders to find themselves put into slavery or exploited in the sex industry. Imagine a time when a woman can walk down the road at any time of the day and not be fearful. Imagine a time when no child will go without food because of poverty or famine. Imagine a time there's no food banks, no emergency appeals on TV. Imagine there never being a situation which you can point to and go, that's not right. Or something that's said or done and you point to and go, that's not fair. What we're imagining is true justice, ultimate justice. That's what we get in Revelation 21, Revelation 22, when Jesus returns, when a future hope becomes a present reality. Jesus says here, it will come quickly, and we're going, it's been 2,000 years. That's quite a long time. Maybe it's because, actually, when Jesus returns, the transformation will be quick. Or could it be, like we read in 2 Peter 3, that with God a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone come to repentance. When Jesus returns, will he find faith? Will he find faith that's been eaten up? Will he find faith that's been evaporated up? Or will he find enduring faith? Faith that's marked out by prayer. Because it's a faith in a God who cares about the cries of his chosen people. He's a God who will bring about ultimate justice. Is that what we're leaning into this morning? Or are we still trying to twist God's arm? Jesus says, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. And to help us to uh, respond this morning, we're going to have a time of prayer. Uh, Maggie's going to come and lead us. So uh, can I invite Maggie uh, to come up? And to help us pray in light of this, I've asked Maggie to, to lead us with the Lord's Prayer. We normally do the Lord's Prayer at the end of our prayer time. Actually, this morning we're going to do it at the beginning. As we hear Jesus say, I'm coming soon. We want to pray, Amen, come Lord Jesus. Um, let the words that Jesus gave us help us to do that. Particularly as we pray, your kingdom come. Let's pray. Let's join together in the prayer our Saviour taught us. 
Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen.